Welcome to our exploration of modern faith. This is Epina- Epi- <laughs> you know, we're not cutting that out either. It's staying. It's staying in. No editing. All right, good. Episode number 17. So next episode, we're legal to vote. <laughs> it's called Not Your Father's Faith with uh, Pastor of Freedom Life Center in Pittsburgh, Jeff. And then there's Pam. And then there's me, Scott. And we're here just to pepper Jeff with questions and to soak up knowledge of uh, his, his 60 years of experiences, including several years of missionary work so that's that's what we do and uh last week pam if you'll remind us of of what we threw at jeff last week on episode number 16 um i don't remember (laughs) we're keeping we're keeping we're keeping that we're keeping that in too just 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 so you know uh we we basically asked jeff if parishioners get upset how does he oh yeah that was the question topic rowdy parishioners and Jeff <laughs> Jeff got rather uh, introspective it was kind of a somber I can say that now I was kind of it was, no. don't you think Pam it was kind of a somber uh, uh, take I was just dodging the question <laughs> <laughs> you were you were and so we thought uh, to counter that we would talk about a much more uplifting subject tonight and that is the cross where Jesus was crucified right. what do you think <laughs> huh? Yeah, and no pun intended. Uh, uplifting, uh, right? Because that would be really, really uh, rude and don't, awkward. Don't do that. I, I, sorry. Yeah, people are shutting off their devices. All, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So it did bring us to the subject of the cross. So I gave you guys a book to read. I started it. Looks like Pam finished it. It's called uh, "Did God Kill Jesus?" by Tony Jones. Yeah. From literary standpoint, um, I feel like I, I get the way Jeff answers things. Wait, I can't hear me anymore. Oh, okay, okay there we go. I'm turning. <laughs> <laughs> what are you messing Stop. with? I totally Scott, lost my audio. Device alone. <laughs> Sorry, I meant, okay. meant to do. Where am I? We don't know. All right, there, there I am. Okay, there we go. Okay. Are you with us again? Are we all good? We go, are you okay now? Yeah, I, okay. I can hear me. You hear yeah, you? see, okay, I'm in control. Good. I'm in control of the uh, the headphones, the volume. He doesn't care if he can hear us. As long as he can hear himself. Yeah, I was turning yeah. you guys down. <laughs> <laughs> he turned they, me off completely. Uh, I can hear right. thing. They seem a little too prominent, so I'm going to turn them down yeah. so my voice shines. Exactly. All right, where were we when I was so rudely interrupted by myself? Uh, I asked Pat yes, what she thought the about book. the book. Oh, yeah. And she was ready to say something derogatory about me. I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let me turn that mic back up. (laughs) Uh, No, I was, uh, the way that Jeff answers questions, I have started to see this theme in in a lot of modern Christian books that it seems like a lot of the book is introduction to the topic that we're going to get around to talking about, but we're going to take a while to getting to the actually talking about what we're talking about. The old Jeff trick. Yes, I think that's where he's learned it, because I've noticed this a couple times now in a yeah. few of the books that I've picked up, that it it takes a while before we get to the meat of what, what we're discussing here. Well, here's the thing, like you take someone like uh, some of these authors of these books, uh, they're writing a book and they're talking about us, uh, a particular um, theological point or doctrine. Well, they didn't just get there by you know one jump or one thought. They got there through a series of of um, you know changes in their ideas and how they see things and so discoveries. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to just say 
to land somewhere and say this. And, and people, we talk a lot about context. People mm-hmm. don't have any context for it, and so, you know, you have to you have to bring people along through the journey that you've, you know, maybe I don't know how long for for Tony Jones, but, you know, for, let's say for me for ten years I've been on this journey of discovery, and so, like Scott, you you've come into my life. What in do the you mean past. ten? Well, I, I, I since I came back from Africa. Okay, got it. Remember got I shared it. my story how that was a really big change for me. Got it. Yes, yes. Okay. So maybe twelve years now. And so you've just recently come into my life in the past year. Well, how do I how do I explain where I'm at now without talking about the past 10 years? But to right. talk about the past 10 years, it takes, takes some time. Right. So you have to develop. And I think that's what that I remember in the book. He's mm-hmm. developing, you know, a lot of those kind of, developing ideas through it. He's not landing anywhere yet. And, and, and frankly, I think a good writer, too, uh, you know, is is saying, look, these are all the things that are out there, and they have different ideas, and he'll he'll give some um, he gives some uh, basis for some of those things, and it's pretty obvious where he when you finish the book, pretty obvious where he lands, but he's letting you, he's letting you know there's a lot of smart people that think a lot of different that think differently, but you know, he lands in a certain place. How far did you get through? Do you remember, Scott? By any chance? Or? Uh, it's kind of the introduction of the first chapter or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. the first what, what have you thought so far about about him? Well, yeah. I, I often approach reading or consuming any kind of information or entertainment with how well is it written and produced. It's funny how I think that. Yeah. I mean, obviously the subject matter here is what's most important, but I, I always look at how well it's written and, and produced, and that was my first take, is like, wow, this guy's a really good writer. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I thought, this yeah. is going to be a really good read, right. whatever the subject might be, mm-hmm. because he's writing in a, in a way that it just has had me from word one. Yeah. So that was my first first take, was this, I'm really going to enjoy this because he's expressing himself in a incredible way. I agree with way. that. Yeah. yeah. I agree. You too, Pam. Did you feel yeah. that way? Yeah, he's a, he's a very good writer. And and so, what what is there anything that, that kind of stood out in your mind so far? Where you got, or any questions that have arisen because of what you read? Or the issue is the title of the book. Did God kill Jesus? I mean, that's really the essence of of what we're talking about. Sure. So he's dealing with this issue of of atonement, right? This we talked about that that word atonement. Is God atone? Is Jesus atoning for something? Is he? Uh, is he? What, what's the what's the purpose of the cross, right? And so if if uh, and we talked about the um, uh, this this idea of uh, of penal substitution, right? There's a there's a because of sin, there's a there's a penalty that needs to be paid because of sin, and the penalty. Uh, according to the, the atonement theory, is death. So, and blood, not just death, but blood. Blood needs to be shed. So not just like a natural death, but it has to be, I guess, I guess violent in some way. There's bloodshed. You know, blood has to be spilled or shed or however you say it. And so, uh, it, and he's dealing with that with Jesus. And so if Jesus uh, atoned and paid this price of death, who, and so the idea is, well, who's he? Who's he? Uh, who's he settling this debt with? Right. Is he settling the debt with God? So that's where the time did God kill Jesus? So God, God requires death somehow, and he's going to kill somebody because of sin. Well, he kills Jesus. That's that's the premise of the of the book. Is that is that 
to we lay like, the blame at, at God's feet. Like yeah. it was, it was on him that Jesus died. Yeah, it was on him. That, yeah. Exactly. Well, everything, everything's on God, right? If you believe that, correct? Yeah, it, it would seem so, right? Yeah, it would seem so. Yeah. So what you're suggesting, well, or maybe not suggesting, but I'm asking, is that God did not kill Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so that that's the your other option. I guess right, but then then you then you have to deal with the issue of, well, it isn't isn't Jesus God, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So did did God did somehow did God kill God? Did and God, God kill one third of God? Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, but they're both they're all three in the Trinity. They're all fully God. So Jesus is fully God. <laughs> the spirit's fully God and God's fully God. Yeah, it's a mystery. Idea it's, a, was it's a mystery. So, so how do we how to resolve that mystery? I I think the more important thing is is let's let's you know I tend to do and and, and maybe it's not right and maybe there may be people that would disagree and argue with and that's fine. But is this idea of, of who is this God to begin with? Right. Start start with that. Start with the character and nature of God, because I think that if we start anywhere else. Then we can then we can put then we can project anything onto God. But if we start with what do we think His character and His nature is, and you know, God defines Himself as love. That He is love, not that He's capable of loving like we are capable of loving. It says that He is His very being is love, and um, and I, I I tend to agree with that. I tend to think that that's that's God. So if He's if He is love, then what would a, how would a loving God behave, and and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we have these two things. We have God saying that he is love. We have Jesus saying that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I kind of start there. And I say, okay. So, because the Bible gives us, the Bible will, will, will speak in ways that seems that God, especially in the Old Testament, God is very, is, seems angry. and seems wanting to, you know. Ready uh, to punish. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and. Like telling the children of Israel to do some pretty heinous things, and killing people and killing whole tribes and whole areas and things like that. And so, you know, so where do you begin? You know, where do you begin? And I tend to begin where I just said. So that being the case, now I look at everything. So we had the one podcast. Look at everything. Look at everything through the eyes of love. What What's the most loving thing? Now, some people might argue. And they might say, Well, if God if God does it, if God does it. Then no matter how it looks to us, it is the most loving thing he could do. You know, that's right. That's right. convenient. <laughs> don't like that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so, right. so it is. It is ultimately a, an, an act of love. Yeah. Right. If, if he does it. If he does it. If he does ultimately an act of love, even though we might not understand it, it might right. not be love to us. Right. But it's, it's if he does it, no matter what he does, it's an act of love. Well, you know, I don't but, know. But if you if you look at the act alone, that's hardly love. Right. So. Right. Right, and so he. What I like about him is he talks about all the different ideas that have been throughout history for the purpose of the cross, the reason of the cross, and and so and he gives, uh, from my recollection, he gives, you know, why people felt that way and when that first kind of came about and how it came about and like you said, Pam, you know, there were different factions within Christianity that led them down different paths and and that sort of thing, and so it, it, to me it leaves the reader, um, it leaves us. Uh, Still, with our free will to say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, 
I'm not being told something here. Like, say, you can't believe all these other things. I'm not being told that. I'm saying, look, these are some facts. You know, you're a, you know, you're a smart person. I, I like when our author will, you know, assume that the reader is a, you know, smart and can figure things out. And so, uh, you know, I like the book. Why haven't you written a book? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I will well, someday. Seriously, yeah. you, yeah, you had to have contemplated it. I have, yeah, I have. What's the problem? I think, what's <laughs> the problem? you got to cut this out, aren't you, Scott? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've thought about, I mean, I've, I've read so many different books, you know what I mean? And so I've, you know, thought I'd like to write down, even if it wasn't to publish, but write down, you know, kind of my journey. You know and how I've come through different things. And one of the one of the uh, one of the people that have really influenced me a lot is Rene Girard, um, and you know maybe some people listening kind of know who he is. And but he has he has this idea of um, uh, this idea of uh, mimetic desire, and that it's it's the it's the root of Kind of, I'm really oversimplifying, of course, but the root of mankind's problems, the mimetic desires that we get our desire from one another, and and that leads to conflict. It leads to ultimately leads to violence, leads to leads to death, and even even talks about the first stories in the Bible with Cain and Abel being about mimetic desire, and uh, and through that through that uh, idea that he's developed with mimetic, mimetic desire, is that. Um, a long time ago that, that people discovered that because there's such a violent nature among uh, humans because of this mimetic desire so we desire the same thing and so, so the three of us there's something out there that we all desire and it's of limited resources and so we're all you know fighting for this limited resource and we all desire it because, because we found that Pam desires it so we desire it mm -hmm. and so it causes conflict and ultimately, ultimately violence and, and murder and so he said, uh, religion kind of was born from this to, to try to figure out how to deal with that is they came up with this idea of a scapegoat, right? And so uh, we have this conflict between us. If we can, we need to resolve it. But how do we resolve it? Well, we pin it on somebody else. So Pam and I have this, you know, trouble between us. And how are we going to resolve this? We want to live in peace, but we just can't. So we say, what was Scott's problem? And so we pin it on Scott, we make Scott the scapegoat, and we banish him, we kill him, or we do whatever, and that then uh, uh, appeases us for a while, this idea of scapegoating. And so the uh, long story short is, Rene Girard says that, that Jesus comes along to be the last scapegoat to show us that those ways are not his ways. And so Jesus becomes the last scapegoat to show us that this mechanism, this scapegoat mechanism, doesn't work, right? And so he is, he is murdered, and he's buried. He comes back three days later. Well, if you're scapegoated, if you're if all the, the the ills of society are pinned on you, and you could come back, you'd almost come back with a vengeance. But Jesus comes back with love and speaking peace and saying that my ways aren't that aren't that way, right? He, he says, "My peace I give you. My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives." And so that's in a nutshell, kind of where I kind of land when it comes to what's the purpose of the cross. So in a sense, maybe I could say it like this. In a sense, rather than saying Jesus died for our sins, to me it sounds more uh, more reasonable to say he died because of our sin, because of the way we are. 
he came and he died. He willingly died and we killed him, right? Because of our sin, because of that nature. And he did it to show us that those ways are not, not his ways. Those ways are not God's ways. So I'm not atoning for anything, not trying to satisfy his father's wrath because he despises sin so bad. And, and you know, it's his system. You know, I mean, it's, it's God's system. Why would he, you know, he could do anything he wants. Why would he, you know, why would, I ask stupid questions, I guess, but why would God <laughs> design a system where he has to require blood sacrifice? I don't know. But there are people that, man, that fight me tooth and nail, and, and that's okay, right? They, they, that's how they understand it right now. Well, part of where I had been reading in, in the Tony Jones book was talking about the the evolution of law and the idea that we we have defined sin and we set up the system yeah. of laws where we we can't help but to be sinful. <laughs> like we've right. set the bar so high for ourselves, and 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 it was as a result of like we. We don't think human sacrifice is a good idea, so we'll substitute that with, that with animal sacrifice. And then the idea, okay, so Jesus was the last sacrifice, so we shouldn't have to do any type of sacrificing anymore. That shouldn't be necessary anymore. It's our laws and our understanding of what's good, what's bad, yeah. as, as that evolved, that um, we set it up for ourselves to fail at this. Yeah. It, 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 that wasn't God's choice, that was our choice, and identifying this is sinful, this is sinful, this is sinful. And now we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. I think. I think too. You know, along that lines of talking about, you know, setting up laws and even sacrifice, we we tend to think that those were those all came from God. That you know, the, the you know the idea of sacrifice that 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 came from God. Well, sacrifice has been around for a long time, and just about every religion there is, and and the the, the very idea that um, in the Old Testament when um, when they would make sacrifice, right? When Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him, uh, where did he go? He went up on a mountain. And the idea was he went up there because he'd be closer to God. And that gives this idea, this three-tiered view of the universe. Gods are in, up high, and, and so they'd go up on a mountain to make a sacrifice to, to, you know, to appease God. And every religion had that, right? They, they, and so it, start, it started where, you know, you take primitive man, and, and, and they're out farming the land. They learn how to farm the land. And they and they realize that, wow, in, unless that, that big yellow thing in the sky comes out uh, regularly and that, that you know, the water falls at the right times, uh, if it doesn't, then our crops aren't going to grow and we're going to experience famine and we're going to die, right? And so uh, who's who's... Who's giving that, that warmth and that light? Well, the gods are up there. The gods are doing that. And so if the gods don't give the rain and don't give the sun, well, they're angry with us. So what did, what did they learn how to do? They learned how to say, hey, well, you know, gods, listen, we're so, so sorry. What can we do for you? Here, let's take some of our grain and let's take it up on the mountain. Let's offer it as sacrifice to God. Here, God, this is for you. Please bring us the rain and the, and the, the sun. And so the next year it comes, and wow, it's, it's great. And so you can see where if you keep doing that, and 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 you keep experiencing drought and so forth, and uh, you start realizing, well, you know, maybe they're not satisfied with our offering. So you keep up in the ante until ultimately you get to the ultimate, right? We <laughs> offer our a child as a sacrifice. And so for Abraham to think that God was asking him to offer uh, 
Isaac as a sacrifice, I could see where he might think that. Do I think God wanted him to do that? I, I, I don't think that. I personally don't. Um, I think that he probably thought that of God. And then, you know, God ultimately, you know, stops him. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't require that. I, I never did. You know, it wasn't me. You know, that sort of thing is the way I look at it. So, yeah, it's, so it's a big, it's a huge topic, and we can sit here and talk podcast after podcast after podcast about about this and, and talk about all different kinds of subjects, uh, you know, uh, that that's kind of surround it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, uh, you know, a little bit of mystery in it myself. Why on a cross? So let's talk a little bit more about the, specifically what we're talking about, the crucifixion, yeah. and who did it? But why the why the cross? Why that crossbar? That yeah. you know? Well, I, think, I, th- I don't think that's anything magical. I think that's that was the time that was, the Romans killed tens of thousands of people that way, and so it was just it was just a a a, a, a device of ultimate shame and and, and torture and, and death for uh, those that they deemed to be you know not like them you know. Uh, and so it was. It seems to us to be so uh, like unique, but to the Romans and to in that day, it wasn't unique at all. So it's not. It's not anything like that. It's just that that was the manner in which the Romans. Uh, and so the idea that, that that Jesus comes along and for the Jews, uh, he was talking about that he is he is king of the Jews, but not saying it in the sense that they were thinking. Everybody was thinking about, like, right here, right now. And so, and he's developing this following, and and so the, the Jews go to the Romans, and they're saying, like, this guy, you know, he's a, he's a pain in our neck, and I know he is to you, too. And so there's idea that, now, there was always conflict between the, the Jews and the Romans. And so this idea was, well, the, the reason why we're having all this conflict is this guy, right? And so he becomes the scapegoat, and so you know he's he's banished he's you know sent to the cross because the, the 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 religious leaders take him to the to the courts and the courts first say listen this this is this is your thing not ours and they kind of push him to the place where they have to make a decision and so they they send him to the cross so ultimately the the symbol is is Jesus related and out of context with the times is that fair say it again the cross represents to us the crucifixion of, of Jesus Christ, right, right? But it was it was a commonplace, well, very very commonplace. Yeah, you know, and, and, and from and my it from takes my, on enormous yes. symbolism. From from my understanding, from my reading, is and I don't remember what year, but uh, or what what uh, century, but the cross wasn't always the symbol of of Christianity. It was the it was the symbol of like the fish. You know, they call that the. What's the, what's the name of it? Ichthus or something like that. I think that's what it's called, if I remember right. Uh, and that was the symbol of Christianity. And it wasn't until decades later that you know the cross ended up kind of being the symbol. Because back then it was a, just a brutal way, and there were so many people killed that way. It wasn't the symbol of Christianity. And so now it tends to, now it's the, we should look that up. We should kind of find that maybe for the next podcast. I'll do that. When did the cross be, start to become the symbol of Christianity? I'm not real sure. What else do you want to talk about? Talking about the next podcast. Uh, well, I think we still have. We, this is one of the questions that you guys had on Christianity One Hundred and One, and so you know maybe we just continue that way. Let's maybe kind of go, uh, maybe maybe go further now. Okay, that was the cross. Let's talk a little bit about about Jesus and what what was his life like and what was he, 
You know what? what, what you know what I always wondered. Did you ever think about this? Do you ever think why didn't Jesus ever write a book, a letter? <laughs> right? You ever think about that? We have we have you know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's we a, have Paul. And, that's mm-hmm. a fascinating yeah. question. I wish he would have, don't you? Yeah, why? Why? Just like Jeff Winters, why wouldn't he have? Yeah, why wouldn't he have? Yeah. Why wouldn't he write a book? I put you in just incredible company. Exactly. exactly. And neither um, of you have a good response. After you you're make, still alive, though. So after you make your first hundred thousand dollars selling pots, Scott's a, <laughs> in my pottery, Scott's a pottery maker. Yeah, yeah. Scottery. Yeah, yeah. You can find him online at www. <laughs> <laughs> we'll plug it as soon as, as soon as you're selling your wares online. We'll plug it right here on Not Your Father's Faith. All right. So what what's specifically the topic we're going to tackle next? Well, let's, I, I think I think we should go next too. So we talked about. Uh, why Jesus died? Maybe, maybe we didn't come up with any answer, but why he died? I, what I find more uh, compelling is why did he live? Right? Like, why, why not just like why why live so long before you go and you die? Like, why not? You know, why did he live? And what was the reason? What was he? What was he doing? What was he trying to do here while he was living here? I, I like to talk about that. Can we do that? That could be a podcast next time. That'll be episode number 18. Okay. Next right. week on Not Your Father's Faith with Jeff, Pam, and Scott. So long.